Welcome to the Lights On Show. I'm your host, Jacob Morissette, and this is a podcast about self-development. In this episode, we talk about the mistakes I made as a student slash learner. Side note, even though I'm a student, these lessons can be applied to everyone because if you really think about it, students and normal people both learn every day. Just the place we do it in is a little bit different. Anyways, if you enjoy the show, please follow us on Twitter at lights underscore show, and I hope you enjoy. One of the first mistakes that comes to mind when I think of my life as a student, or more important, more importantly, is the life of a learner and someone who's developing, was my lack of drive. And what I mean by this is I was a really lazy high schooler when I first started. I never really cared about my classes, and I didn't really learn that much stuff. I would just roll through the motions, get done what I needed to have done, and that was about it. And then I kind of realized that that laziness and that mentality of just not caring and getting done what I needed to have done wasn't going to make me happy and wasn't going to bring me financial success uh, in the sense of just straight money. But then I remembered this saying my mom told me, uh, fake it until you make it. So I did just that. I started to fake it in school until I eventually was going to make it. And what I did was I began to focus in all my classes. I would just sit down and I would tell myself, all right, I'm not going to talk to my friends. I'm not going to go on my phone. I'm just going to pay attention to class. I'm just going to turn in all my homework. I'm going to do what is asked of me. And that was all faked effort. Then I... I started to actually enjoy the classes I was taking. I started to actually enjoy the curriculums that we were learning. And I started to intake so much knowledge and really finding a passion for this knowledge. So, And that's exactly what I mean by I wish I would have known that earlier. So that way when I was a freshman and sophomore early on, I could have learned a lot more and continued to develop from an even earlier state. Because understanding and recognizing the ability of our brain to adapt in such a dramatic and awesome way can help you develop drive even when you can't find it. So I'd also probably say that another huge mistake that I made as a student was my choice of peers. I ended up making that choice a little uh, later in high school. I cut out a ton of people. Uh, I didn't necessarily cut them out in a rude way, but just in a way to where they were definitely not my friends and more of acquaintances. You know, they didn't really give me anything and I didn't really give them anything back. So it's like, why would I choose to give my time to them? Or why should they choose to give their time to me when we just don't have a type of correlation or type of connection or bond that would help us develop and grow? However, being so, I do have a couple friends that uh, really do bring a lot of value to my life. And, you know, I wish I could have recognized that earlier and be able to have deeper and more fulfilling bonds with those people um, even earlier than when I did. Uh, I feel like that probably would have helped me a lot um, as a developing uh, student and learner. Uh, that probably would have helped during my freshman and sophomore year if I would have been able to, you know, pick and choose and cut different acquaintances out and bring different acquaintances in and be able to create better bonds with those potential acquaintances. 
Um, and, you know, plus, obviously, if you are in the type of situation where you are being peer pressured, that can just totally ruin your entire life. My situation does not, you know, reflect me being or me having really bad peers. I've definitely seen many, many times the impact and influence that bad peers can have on an individual. That is seen all across the country, all across tons of different schools, tons of different neighborhoods of of people just trying to find, not necessarily trying to find a family, but just trying to find somewhere to fit in. And as humans, we are very social. And, you know, we need to have a sense of ownership and, a, you know, a sense of, of community. So it, under, it, it makes sense to find someone that's going to take care of you and do all these things for you. But when you're doing that, you truly do need to find the right group and choose those right friends at an early age. So that way you aren't going to steer off the track right as it's starting to pick up pace. And then you exponentially go down instead of exponentially go up and develop yourself. And frankly, I don't even think that this is just particularly in students. I think just to try to apply to to everyone, this kind of goes to just really anyone you hang out with. If you're at the office, pick the right peers in your office workspace. They're going to help you to develop and get where you want to go in that job. If if you're a janitor and you know you want to get out of that janitor's job because let's say you don't like it or it doesn't pay enough or it's not what you wanted to begin with in life, don't be super duper close buddy buddies with your coworker janitor. Try to maybe go go talk to a person that's in the office or maybe your boss, you know, try to get close with them and try to just continue to develop and gain knowledge from them at all times. And nothing says you cannot you know, associate with with your janitor buddies, but just understand that you know you can have those buddies, but also try to reach out and get people that are going to help you to develop and grow yourself. And, and that truly does just apply to everyone. Choosing the right peers really is just such an influential part of society. Another mistake I wish I would have learned uh, a lot earlier in life was organization. Oh my goodness, let me tell you how important organization is. It is unbelievable. Not just as a student does this apply, this literally can apply to anyone in their entire life. Organization is so key. So just for example with with students, firstly, since you know that's what I am, you know, organization can literally just save your butt in every single test you've ever taken. For any of those students that are in, you know, Running Start or, or the Cambridge program or any type of, you know, AP or any college level class, this plays a huge part. These classes are stressful and they're very high workflow. Lots of papers are being shuffled in and out. You know, I'm in AP chemistry right now and I will turn in, you know, homework packets that are five, six, seven pages thick. And that's just for one night's worth of homework. And the problems literally take half a page to solve. And this goes, you know, with that example, I think that goes, this goes with multiple different levels of organization. Firstly, it goes with organization on your page itself. Understanding and being able to comprehend your notes at all times, like what's actually being written, is key. So this is what I've learned from my AP Gov teacher. Use highlighters. Number one, get three highlighters. You have one color for important topics and main ideas. Your second highlighter, 
is for subtopics and you know mini ideas. And your third highlighter is the basic one that you use for just about everything. From just going through, you know, if you if you need to highlight a real quick sentence and not a main idea, or you have a subtopic, but you know it's gonna be important, you do it with the third color. If you're doing vocab, you use the second marker to highlight the vocab word, and then you use the third one to highlight the description of it. And let me tell you, this is so key in just writing your notes and being able to read them later at a quick glance. Because when you are taking these high-level courses, everything is super duper fast-paced, and you genuinely do not have enough hours in the day to sit there and read through some sloppy notes. The second type of organization that goes with this and you know having six to seven pieces of of uh, pieces of paper for one homework assignment, which by the way, we get lots of homework assignments in college classes. Let me tell you that it's a lot. But the second method is being able to label all your homework assignments. You always get griped on with teachers on having a proper heading. Well, let me tell you, it is so important. These teachers, they're saying it for a reason. Like, they've gone through this. Like, they're just trying to share life lessons with us. And I'm trying to tell you as well, labeling everything, like a piece of paper, it's like the page numbers at the bottom right-hand corner, and dates are so important. I just do a basic uh, header and footer on all my notes I ever take, all my homework assignments I ever do. I do my full name, you know, Jacob Morissette. I do the date, and then I do the the class, and I do the assignment. And I know it's not perfect MLA format, and frankly, it does not have to be. It just has to be easy for me to read, easy for the teacher to read, because the teachers also get stressed out too, and they won't grade your assignments if they can't read them. But it just makes organization so much easier for the header. Now next for the footer, I definitely recommend writing the page numbers on all of them. If you have a seven-page little homework packet that you need turned in, number one on the first page in the bottom right-hand corner, number two on the second page, and just keep going through as many pages as you have. And also, this is just kind of like a little side tip, but... If you are using a spiral notebook or if you have uh, an app on like an iPad or iPhone, use categories for classes. It's unbelievable and I absolutely love it. And I personally use a uh, an app called Notability and I use it with my iPad because we all have school district. I, we all have school issued iPads and with Notability, I'm able to have little folders and little cutout sections in every single class. So, for example, with AP Chem, uh, I can have a test prep folder. I can have a straight homework folder. I can have a notes folder. I can have a lab folder. And it keeps everything super cut clean and organized. And then I can apply all the other little tips on that. And it just it makes for such a smooth and easy access experience. It also allows me to have more time in my day to then study those topics because then I'm not having to search through all these loose leaf pieces of paper in my bag or anywhere, like all over my room, the trash can, just to find some paper. Also, just to kind of add uh, onto more organization, uh, having an online organization is also very key. Uh, For example, you know, Google Drives or any type of files you have on your computer, always be sure 
to fully name them out, you know, even though it sounds kind of tedious and takes more time up front, it saves you so much more time when you are trying to find those files that it automatically returns its initial interest of that couple seconds of typing everything out the first time you even try to find anything. It just makes it so much easier. I've seen so many times where I've lost essays or I've lost assignments on my Google Drive or on top of some type of, you know, zip file or anything like that that I did not properly label or I didn't um, smartly label or anything like that. And it just kind of ended up screwing me over. Um, and then kind of getting away from the work now, the organization that I condone with all my heart, might, mind, and soul is life organization. What I mean by that is planning out your life in a super strategic way and always understanding what you're going to do in a day, what you're going to do in a week, writing lists and all this type of stuff, always writing it down and giving yourself a visual aid of what you're going to do or what's going to happen to you or any of this stuff like this. Now, obviously, everyone's going to have things that they don't know what's going to happen. All of a sudden, maybe you're your wife or your mom or someone calls you, oh, well, they, they need you to go do something. But it happens so rarely that it still makes it worth it in order for me to sit down every single day for about five to ten minutes and write out everything I need to do. And to go with that, a lot of people be like, okay, well, I make a list, like a grocery list, right? You just put tons and tons of stuff on it that you want to get done. Well, when I was reading The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, he talks about Okay, you know, everyone's kind of already on like this list grind. Everyone kind of understands that making a list is important and like making a list can uh, add some productivity to your day. But with that, he talked about how when we make lists, we just blow them way out of proportion. We add like 50 things that we want to get done that day and we know it's going to be impossible. So it's like, don't set ourselves up to fail. And he says to only put on one to two, you know, maximum of like five-ish things that you can get done in that day and will give you productivity for that day. So kind of an example that I have with my life is, especially whenever I have a lot of homework or when I have a lot of things that like need to get done, I'll get done the things that are first priority and I'll only write down those things on my list. Where before, I'd write down, obviously, first priority. I'd probably put down some second and third priority stuff. And it ended up being like 15 things I wanted to get done within that day. So the way I kind of modified it, especially with myself and including what Tim Ferriss says, is when you write your weekly to-do list, you write all those second and, and third priority type of things that can wait for the next day or maybe for a little bit later. And what you write on the individual day is those top priority tasks. The things that if you don't get done by tonight or if you don't get them done before tomorrow, you will be screwed. The consequence for, you know, good or bad or whatever, there will be a consequence if you do or do not do that assignment or that thing. So, like, you you need to get done. You know, getting your tire fixed, like, if you have a, a nail in your tire and it's leaking air, that's, like, a first priority example. Whereas maybe a second priority would be you washing your car. What should get done first? Well, an obvious choice would be the tire. So for that day, only write down the tire. And that way you just have this one track mind, no matter what happens, that you have this visual aid of the first priority thing. And then usually if you do finish that thing, then you'll just kind of think in the back of your mind, huh, I just finished fixing my tire. 
oh yeah, I also needed to wash my car. And then it kind of allows you to transition nicely into washing the car. And it helps you to transition from top priority to second priority to third priority. And I've seen that work magic in my life. So that's just some some food for thought. Also, writing down goals and being organized with your goals. So obviously, a lot of people can just have like these willy-nilly goals. And they're like, oh yeah, I want to be famous or I mean, even more realistic of weekly goals. Like I said, put your, you know, second and third priority goals as the weekly to-do list. And most of the time, those are also my goals. Now I kind of set up like these little mini goals throughout the week of what needs to happen for stuff I want to get done. For example, this podcast or any type of extracurricular activity I have. Those are all things that I have to build goals for. Now with goals, I'm not sure if any of you guys have thought I've heard of this. Probably most of you have. But I'm saying this because it works and it's amazing. But SMART goals. Now, for those of you who don't know, SMART goals, it's an acronym. So it's S-M-A-R-T, but like you got to line it vertically. So it's like an acronym. And the S stands for specific. So specific means it has to be a fine point thing that you can actually do. So uh, probably a lot of people's goals at the new year was, I want to lose weight. Okay, well, that's not specific. You need to have something, for example, with losing weight, um, you know, I want to run a mile a day. That is super specific, and you can, without a doubt, not misinterpret what that means and what you have promised yourself to do. M, that means measurable. So it has to be measurable in some type of thing, and it doesn't have to be like a, a basic unit that we all think of, such as inches or centimeters or anything like that. It just has to be measurable in the sense of you're able to keep track of it. So let's say I want to run one mile twice a week. That's measurable. You can be like, okay, I'm running one mile once and then twice. So it's measurable. Uh, And then obviously you can further increase or whatever, but it gives you a set standard of what needs to happen. A, that means it's achievable. So obviously using the same running example, if you have not been very active and you're not in good shape, and don't tell me that round is a shape because that's not what I'm talking about. But make it achievable for yourself. So back to the if you can't really run that well, don't set a goal for yourself for 10 miles a day, four times a week. Now, yeah, it's specific. and Yeah, it's measurable, but it's not really achievable. You know, not saying that you can't do it because, you know, I always believe that where there's a will, that there's a way. But that's like setting yourself up to fail. Because you're automatically just not going to be able to do it. And so I think going back to the original example with one mile is perfectly achievable and allows you to have a good handhold spot where you can launch yourself off of. Everyone's got to start somewhere. So figure out where you want to start and make that your starting goal so it is achievable for yourself. The fourth letter is R and that is it's relevant. So what that means is give yourself a goal that's actually going to change your life or it's actually going to benefit you. If you're already super fit and you already run a lot and you don't really need to have a smart goal for running, then honestly don't make it. You know, Make something else that will continue to improve yourself because as humans, we can always improve ourselves. You know, There's always a time and a place and a where where we can learn and improve ourselves. So Back to the a running example, if you're super duper, you know, healthy already and you run a lot and you do all, all these things, 
maybe you change your your goal because it's not relevant to you. But if you are someone that could benefit a lot from running, that's what you need in order for it to really simmer in, in you and in order for you to really go and do it. And lastly, uh, T, that is time bound. So this kind of goes in, I think, with a little bit uh, of measurable, but having a set time and having giving yourself increments of what you're going to do. Uh, so like for running, we're going to use the same example still. For running, you want it to be time bound. How long do you want to run twice a week and one mile? You know, give yourself a start and an end date for that one specific goal, which is just running one mile. It's not just running overall. It's just running the one mile. How long do you want to run for one mile? And I think that also goes into achievable. I think this honestly is a full circle. So give yourself an achievable goal that can change your life and is specific and is time bound. Give yourself that right now or whenever, like the one mile example. And then after that that time restriction is up, then you make another one. So let's say you know you run one mile twice a week. Uh, you know you're a little out of shape, so it's going to help you a lot. And you don't really run that much before, so you're able to actually do the one mile. And you set that up for about one month, and you do that for one month. And then the next month you double it, and you do two miles four times a week, and you know you just continue to do that. And I've seen the, that type of, you know, smart goal and smart analysis and fully understanding my goals. It is just, uh, it is just unbelievable. You know, like I said, I fully condone this, you know, as much as, as stupid as that, as that sounds, I fully condone that just as much as the three different highlighters and the organizing all my, you know, Google Docs files. And lastly, uh, like the kind of like the third little organized, I'd probably just say that this is like kind of like a finaler, a finisher upper of the organization, but that's like the big picture organization. And I know we usually don't see this a lot and we always try, we kind of think it's like taboo, but filing cabinets are key because if you are not fortunate enough to have an iPad or any type of stuff like that, you know, you're going to have notebooks and you're going to have, you know, you're going to have your loose leaf pieces of paper. And when you have a filing cabinet, you're able to take all of those and basically make your notability out of it. And it just sits there in your room or in your desk or whatever. And it's it's just chilling there for whenever you need it. And you're able to, you know, color coordinate your classes. You're able to put the same type of, uh, same type of like little folders that I have in my notability right into your uh, you know, like the little naming card things that you put in the little plastics. I don't, I don't know what it's called, but you know what I'm talking about. And that's where I put all my my test corrections. That's where I put all my tests I've done. I've been doing that for about the past two years, and let me tell you, it is unbelievable, and it's been a huge lifesaver to just time, stress, and just being able to study, especially with all these different college classes. Now, like I said earlier. You know, I'm going to make this, you know, available for not just students, but also adults. So when it kind of gets to the more professional world, obviously everything still applies. Have a multitude of different highlighters and be able to highlight main topics, subtopics, and any other type of information that you're going to need. Also, labeling everything properly is going to help you with your boss and allowing them to read stuff. 
then also being able to develop and understand complete and useful goals is always, always useful in real-world applications and real-world situations, no matter who, what, or where you are. And, um, again, filing cabinets, huge. Especially if, like, you're doing finance or you're doing any type of business stuff. You know, I have no doubt in my mind that any type of business professional or any type of worker out there doesn't need some type of paperwork filing system that they've just been neglecting to get. Let me tell you right now. You can get filing cabinets for super cheap on Amazon or Walmart or anything like that, and it's just going to save you so much time. It's going to pay back in its investment that you spent on it in like two months. It's, it's unbelievable. I condone the message of organization and having complete understanding of what your notes mean, you know, how how they are, you know, organized in a sense, and where they are. You know, having complete understanding of those three things, unbelievable and will change your life. And not even with just notes. It will change anything you do from having all your legal paperwork like Social Security and uh, insurance card. Just having a solid filing system for any type of paper or any type of document or any type of information that you have, it just will change your life. And that's something that I'm going to continue to live by for the rest of my life. So just kind of like the be-all and end-all um, of lessons that I was able to learn, uh, especially being a student, uh, that just kind of umbrellas over the last three subjects I kind of talked about, was the mistake of not learning from my mistakes. And what I mean by that is, as humans, we're obviously imperfect, and we make mistakes all the time. But what kind of makes those mistakes okay is if we learn from them and we try our best not to do them again. And I had a hard time learning that lesson, especially when I was a little younger. Uh, And that just kind of carried out until freshman and sophomore year of high school. And that kind of got slapped in the face towards the end of... uh, towards the end of sophomore year, and then that's kind of like when I learned this lesson. But it really sucked when I had to learn that lesson. It really sucked. And looking back on it now, I kind of look at all the stupid stuff I did and all the times I may have hurt people's feelings or or maybe I, 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 uh, maybe I ruined a potential grade increase, maybe I ruined a potential opportunity I had to make some money, or you know, maybe I, I potentially ruined a lot of things. And I look at that now, and I'm like, man, how cool would that be if I could have that right now? Or what would have happened if I would have been able to have that experience or have that money or have that grade? Like, what would it be if I had those now? Like, it would be so much better for me. And then and then I'm at the point now where I do truly learn from all my mistakes every single time I make them, or I mean, at least I try to. You know, I always try not to redo serious mistakes. At least I try. But, um, and I look about all these things I'm able to gain from the little things I catch for myself. Oh, I did that. I, uh, I'm not going to do that again. And I'm able to, you know, save something that then I can use later. And that sounds kind of bad, right? But it's like, you know, if I accidentally call out a teacher or maybe I irritate a teacher and if I leave it right then and there, 
And I'm like, whoa, that teacher's going to get mad. So then I know not to do that next time. And, uh, you know, maybe that allows me to continue to keep a high grade. And once again, this also applies to people who are not in school or people that are in higher levels of school or anything, you know. Take my example, replace teacher with boss, and it's the exact same thing. It's okay to make the one-time mistake. Don't ever look down on yourself for making a mistake. Only look down on yourself in a slight way if you did not learn from that lesson. And at that point, if you do start to feel guilty about it, then usually most of the time people will fix the error. So just to kind of wrap this episode up, uh, these are a few of the mistakes I've experienced uh, at, in my life as a student, as someone who's always constantly learning, um, well, learning at a rigorous rate. Um, I, you know, it's important to have drive and, it, and it's important to find the right peers. It's, it's important to always stay organized and it's always important, most of all, to continue to learn and to continue to develop even after you make a mistake. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at lights underscore show. And also, I would appreciate it, uh, to leave a rating on you know, iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you guys are using. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy the episode. You guys have a beautiful day. Goodbye.